The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. If you're new here, thank you so much for pressing play on this episode. My name is Stacey. It's great to meet you. I'm the co-founder and host of the Business Casual Podcast, and today is an extra special episode because today is March 8th, 2022, which means it is International Women's Day. So I wanted to start this episode by sharing a little bit more about what this day means and what today's campaign theme is, which is hashtag break the bias. So what does this mean? Well, imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination, a world that is diverse, equitable, and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. Individually, we're all responsible for our own thoughts and actions all day, every day. We can break bias in our communities, we can break bias in the workplace, and we can break bias in our schools, colleges, and universities. Together, we can all break the bias on International Women's Day and beyond. So I encourage you to strike the International Women's Day Break the Bias pose and be sure to share on social media using the hashtag at Break the Bias. Today's a great day to highlight those women in our communities who are really paving the way for gender equality. And I am very excited to be bringing you another insightful guest, Sarah Nathanson, on today's episode. Sarah and I talk all things resumes, cover letters, how to land your dream job, while also sharing a bit more about what the corporate culture is like at Aritzia and how it has really fostered Sarah's ability to balance motherhood as well as having a corporate career. So let's learn a bit more about Sarah. Sarah grew up in Vancouver where she completed high school before venturing to Western University to earn her undergraduate degree. During her degree, Sarah started with Aritzia as a style advisor. After a brief departure to teach high school English, Sarah returned to Aritzia, this time on the corporate side of the business. She's been with the company for the better part of the past 20 years, seeing it grow from seven stores to its current 100-plus locations, holding various roles across operations, learning and development, sales, people and culture, and more. In her current position as VP of Talent Acquisition, Sarah and her team are responsible for bringing top talent to Aritzia from across the globe. Sarah is also a high-level athlete, having played varsity soccer at Western University, where she was named an All-Canadian in each of her four years, was team captain in her final two years, and received the Female Athlete of the Year for the entire university in her graduating year. She was most recently recognized by being inducted into the University's Hall of Fame in 2016. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you are enjoying our content, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. You can give us a star rating on Spotify. And if you want to write a review, please go over to Apple Podcasts to do so. It really helps us out and we so much appreciate your kind words. You can also feel free to follow us on Instagram at business.podcast.casual to stay up to date with the latest behind the scenes, guest information, and be the first to know when we upload new episodes. Again, happy International Women's Day. My sister and I are so grateful to be able to have this platform to highlight all of the amazing women who are, again, breaking the bias, and paving a world for gender equality. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual. You are in for a treat. I know so many of our listeners are very excited for today's guest, and I'm very excited to introduce you all to Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? 
Hi, I am so good and so excited to talk to you. Yeah, likewise, I'm so glad you're here in the business casual. You are, if you're watching the video podcast, you can see that Sarah is joining us from Aritzia corporate headquarters. Is this the headquarters? Is it, I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. No, we call it the support office very intentionally because our role here is to support our stores. And that's why we call it support office. So we don't call it head office purposely. So yes, I'm here in support office in Vancouver. Love it. Yes, from Vancouver. Amazing. Well, we're so glad to have you on the show today. Of course, my icebreaker question has to be related to Aritzia. And I've been thinking about this question <laughs> all week because I don't even know how I'm going to answer it. But I'll, I'll ask you the question first, which is, if you could only own one Aritzia piece in your wardrobe, what would it be? Well, yeah, it's hard to choose one. Um, but but if I'm forced to narrow it down, which that is what you're doing to me, I'm going to say I'm a super pop girl. I mean, I, I and I don't just have one, but can you say one category of clothing, then I would say the super puff family for sure. Uh, love them, can't get enough, every length, every color, every style. There, there's too much goodness there. I just invested in the, I had the vest from a few seasons yeah. ago, but this winter season, I invested in like the short super puff, the black shiny one. And I love it. I was actually in New York uh, in early December and there was a super world and it was an entire yeah. store full of, I was blown away. Like I was speechless. Me and my mom walked in and we couldn't believe that this was all just for super buffs. It was crazy, but it was very nice. Yeah. We have one, one in New York and one in LA um, that is super world and like this beautiful experience that you can have um, with the brand. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. We need to bring one to Canada though. I think Toronto definitely needs one. <laughs> okay. Toronto super world coming up next. <laughs> Hey, you heard, only because you, you heard it. You heard it here first on the business casual. I love it. Well, that's right. You I would love. <laughs> I would love to hear in your own words how you would describe your current career, your position, and maybe some of your passions outside of work. Sure. So, um, my current career, um, I am the vice president of talent acquisition at Aridia. So, what that means simply is that. My team and I are responsible for bringing the best talent to the company to support our current business and enable our growth. It sounds simple, um, and it's a lot of creative, hard work. Um, we search the globe for the best talent. So our goal is to not have any barriers between us and the best people. And so uh, we have to be really, really creative about how we go about sourcing the best talent, how we engage with them, how we... Um, get them interested in Aritzia in Vancouver, because that's a huge challenge, right? If you're talking to a designer in Paris, she's like Aritzia and Vancouver, but that's a lot of the work that we have to do. So um, that's what I'm responsible for. And I have a, a team that works in different geographies, uh, some in our support office and some throughout uh, Canada and the US. And um, I mean, I love my team, they're the best. They're so good. And so they're, they're the big reason why I'm so happy coming to work every day. But at Aritzia, I've also held, because I've been here off and on for 20 years, I've held, I think I counted seven different roles with the company. So I started in stores as a style advisor, we now call them, but sales associate back then, and worked my way through the organization um, over the course of, of about 20 years. So this is the role I've actually held the longest, I figured out. And I really love it. It's a very good fit for me and 
yeah, no day is the same. There's always a challenge or a problem to solve. And I get to work across the whole organization. That's one of the things I love. I get to touch everything from design to e-commerce to merchandising, the supply chain to retail to everything. So I get that whole breadth of the organization, which for me is really fulfilling. And you mentioned it yourself, but you've been at Aritzia for a very long time. You've seen the brand grow. So I feel like my first question is really, how has Aritzia changed since you remember it in its early days when you first started at the company? I know it's so interesting to think back because I think we had six or seven stores when I started. Now we have over a hundred and our support office is over a thousand people. Like I, it's sometimes I look up and think, well, how did this happen? <laughs> but I have, it, it's happened and it's exciting. I mean, how has it changed and how has it not changed? I would say it's changed less than it hasn't. So I think one of the great things about Aritzia is the strength of our culture and the, the, the tenure of our leadership. So, you know, our president has been here over 30 years. Our head of merchandising has been here over 30 years. Our head of uh, global head of retail, she's just having her 30 year this year. So we have a lot of people that have been with the organization a long time. And so there's so much consistency in terms of how we view our business, how we want to run our business and how we go about our jobs and, and go about our day to day. So, so much has actually stayed the same. Um, what I would say is changed is obviously, um, you know, our geography has, has expanded in both our brick and mortar stores and e-commerce goes worldwide. So um, our reach is much further. And so our teams have had to, this would probably actually be the biggest change is when you're smaller, you can be a generalist and you can touch lots of different things. I mean, literally in my first job in the office, we didn't have reception. And so the reception phone would ring to all our phones and someone just had to grab it. And I swear it was always me. I'd be like, why is Noel And I was like, Aritzia Sarah speaking. So, so now as we've grown, people have become specialized. So we have far more people because we need more specialized skill sets to do all the things we do. So where I could kind of fumble my way through something when we had six stores, we're not fumbling our way through that thing anymore, right? We're hiring experts to do those jobs. So that would be probably one of the biggest changes is the number of people required and the amount of specialization that we have in growing our business. Interesting for me, obviously being a Canadian, I have grown up with Aritzia and I think and I'd, I'd love to hear your input on this, is how pandemic, because as a consumer, what I've seen is that Aritzia in the last two, three years through the pandemic has really increased in like number of stores and like brand awareness, like through social media platforms. I feel like I've seen Aritzia a lot more than I used to. It Was that something that you think kind of the timing was really great for what Aritzia had been working towards and then the pandemic hit, people were shopping online? Or do you think that was more of a coincidence? That's a really great question. I think it's a bit of both. So I think when you think about um, a global pandemic and the impact on um, so many businesses, if you're a business that's sort of struggling, um, that can push you over the edge in terms of putting you out of business. So what that does though, is leave more space for the businesses that are succeeding. And so we are very grateful that we were in such a strong financial position and strong brand position going into the pandemic, you know, unintentionally, no one knew this was gonna happen. Um, but what that did was allow us to continue to propel our growth. So we did some things quite quickly. We, I mean, if we were one of the first companies that I saw that had models at home. 
So we sent the clothes mm. to the models' homes. You know, how do we safely show our product on models? Um, we sent clothes to models' homes. We gave them direction through Zoom. And so we were one of the first companies that I saw doing that. Um, so there were a number of things that we pivoted on quickly that I think made a difference. And I think, again, just being, um, having the, the strength of our brand position going into it just allowed us to continue to be successful. And, you know, I think our customer responded so well. And actually, we didn't lay off a single person during COVID. Wow. We did not furlough a single person. And not only that, we paid everybody their full rate. So nobody had abbreviated. So if you worked in a store and your store was closed in Toronto, um, you were still full pay. And we even bonused people at the end of season. Like we, we were so, um, I'm so proud of how we managed our people. And our people then in turn were so grateful that they wanted to do whatever they could to support the business. So people were creating TikTok videos and trying to sell through Instagram. Like people just, you know, were being entrepreneurial and trying to support the business. And I think the actions from the top of the organization all the way through our front lines just um, coalesced really, really well to help continue our success. And then to your point about stores, you know, unfortunately other businesses suffering means more real estate opportunities. Um, we just had more opportunities come our way. And so being entrepreneurial, we wanted to capitalize on those things. So while we might not have planned to open a store in X location, a great one came up. So we're going to take advantage of that and jump on it. So you're right that you've seen some growth and it's a bit that we were in a strong position anyway, and a little bit that the pandemic created opportunities for us in the marketplace. And I'm basically just going to talk about Aritzia, my experiences this whole episode, but I remember very vividly in 2019, I had gone to visit a friend in Washington, DC, and we'd gone to Georgetown and there was an Aritzia store there. And I was like, oh, let's go into Aritzia. Yeah. And my friend was like, I've never heard of this store before. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, how have you never heard of it? She's like, oh, like, what is it? And we went inside and she had never been there. Now, fast forward, I was also just in LA last weekend and I went to the Grove location as well as a yeah. few other locations that were in malls and it's like completely yeah. different just like even the like attitudes towards the brand and just like so many more people know about it so I think like from what I've seen as a yeah. consumer that's really grown throughout COVID and another thing that I have heard from the brand through like my commerce program and just learning more about like corporate Ritzia is that a lot of your staff in general is female so I'd love to hear more about how you think that attributes to your Ritzia culture as well because obviously a lot of our you know listeners are um female and we really have shared a lot about how females in male dominated industries really struggle. So I'd love to hear more of like females who are working in mm. a company that is more female dominated and how that has kind of grown to be part of your, I guess, culture at Aritzia. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting for me personally. So I uh, grew up in Vancouver, went to an all girls private school and then worked at Aritzia. So for me, my professional life has always been Oh, and my education and my professional life has constantly been surrounded by really strong women. So I fortunately have never had the situation where I've not been able to progress or learn or be encouraged because I'm in a male dominated industry. So I've just, again, that's just nothing I've ever had to deal with, but I know that that exists. So at Aritzia, yeah, we take a lot of pride in giving people their first job, giving people their first experience, yeah, like working in our stores while they're in school, whatever it is they're doing. And teaching, we take a lot of pride in what people learn through that and the confidence they gain. So 
women often have a hard time speaking about money. It's not an easy conversation. Well, right. when we have, when we hire someone, we say, how much money do you want to make? Like we make people have a conversation about money. And I think that's as much an education for the individual on how to handle themselves as much as it is informational for us. So um, we are a female dominated organization just from a number standpoint. And it's really great because so many of us have been here for so long. You know, I remember the first person getting married, the first person having a child and seeing people ahead of me um, navigate their careers and their personal lives and how they've chosen to balance it. It's been such a wonderful thing for me and for so many of us in the business to see what's possible. And, you know, our president has two young kids in elementary school. Our global head of retail has two kids just cuss the elementary school and going into high school, I think, um, you know, there, so many of us have children and so, and have very fulfilling careers at Aritzia. So seeing how you can balance the two, um, because that can be in concept quite daunting, but watching other people go through it and being real about what's hard and what is a struggle is, is part of the camaraderie that is developed within our company and so now well you know yeah I used to come in and talk about I don't know what item I was wearing or whatever to my team when I came in the morning and I still do but I'm also like my gosh you should see what Freddie did last night and he counted to six I don't even know how does he know how to count to six he's like a 21 month old my 21 month old son and so again it's like and and the and I have women come up to me in the office saying okay how's it going okay, they're going to sleep regress. This is a thing. They're going to stop sleeping and it's going to drive you crazy, but hang in there. And it's like this like shoulders drop kind of like feeling seen and understood is not anything I anticipated, but it's been so helpful for me as I've personally navigated being a mother and having a career that means a lot to me. And it's definitely a topic that's not talked about enough. I mean, from my perspective as a young female who's entering her professional career, if anything, it's not, it's it's almost like a taboo topic. Like it's something that people know exists, but no one wants to talk about. It's interesting. Yesterday, I had seen a post on LinkedIn and I don't know if LinkedIn added this feature or if uh, the woman added it to her profile, but she actually added, because um, a lot of people talk about the gap in their careers when they leave to have a child and come back into the workplace. And she had actually added a little pregnancy blurb on her LinkedIn as like an experience she had that she felt added value to her, her resume and added value to who she was as a unique candidate. And it really got me thinking, like I wouldn't even know how to approach that part of my career. Obviously I'm very far from that, but it, it's just something that I think isn't talked about enough. And I think it's important, you know, hearing from someone like yourself and from other strong female business leaders out there right now who are navigating these topics because it is something that we're all going to get to at some point in our career. And I think it's important to make sure you're at a company that supports you in those decisions. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the, when people are making career decisions, you're looking at the culture of an organization and you're looking around and saying, okay, you know, what is the, the roundedness of the leadership team? Meaning what is their life like outside of work? And do I see myself in someone else? So it's interesting. So one of the things I did, between, I've come and gone from Ritzy a few times, I was a high school teacher. And so I taught high school English. And one of the reasons I didn't continue, because I actually loved teaching. I coached soccer, grade eight, like I loved it. But I didn't see anyone in the staff room I wanted to be like. That was actually the hardest thing for me, was I looked around and I was like, 
isn't really like my energy or my, I, I wasn't inspired. I don't mean that as a, as a denigration of people in that career. I just mean there was a different sort of energy and personality around in that particular school at that time. And then it's like, I work at Aritzia and it's like, these are my people. Like, it's so easy. Um, the connection points are so natural and so easy. And so I think when you're looking at a career um, and what organization to join. I think such a huge part of that is saying, okay, what feels natural to me? Who do I think I can learn from? Um, how, do I, how do I feel like I can sit here longer term um, with goals that might include family and continuing career growth and both being very important. And moving on kind of the second part of the conversation I wanted to have with you is more like talent acquisition. Yeah. I think you bring up a great point here. And it's something, you know, from your experience, I'd love to ask you, like, how do students when recruiting for a job, like make sure that a, a company culture is fit for them? Like, obviously in an interview, you get a feel for whoever's interviewing you, but you don't really have that opportunity mm -hmm. to sit in a boardroom before you accept a job, or you don't really have the opportunity to like, see what the day-to-day -day is like at a company. So are there any tips you would say for students who are maybe in the early stages of their career and how they can try and scope out what companies or even industries that might be a better fit for them? Yeah, that is a great question. So a few things I can think of, and you're completely right. You're interviewing with somebody and you're receiving information from one individual, but that doesn't necessarily give you that uh, immersion feeling. So, okay, one thing is, if I just use Aritzia as an example, you come into the office, you can feel what it's like here. So one thing is, can you put yourself physically in the environment? Can you ask to use the washroom so you can walk through the office a little bit and see a bit more, see what people are like, see if they're engaging with each other. Is it quiet? Does it feel energetic? What does it feel like here? Um, you can ask to have a, a coffee or a chat with someone in the department that maybe instead of the head of the department who might be hiring you um, to speak to someone who's two years out of school. And maybe you do some research on LinkedIn and say, oh my gosh, I noticed so-and-so has a very interesting similar background to mine. I'd be interested to know what it's been like for them. Would it be okay if I have a conversation with them or reach out to that person directly and say, I'm interviewing with the company and I'm really interested in finding a place for myself that I can really grow in and I wanna make an informed decision, would it be okay if I ask you a few questions? And what I would say off of that, extending off of that is be really prepared, have questions and say basically like I will, cause sometimes what I, when people ask me for informational discussions, I always wanna say yes, right? I never wanna say no, but it, it, it's very time consuming. And so when I am able to say yes, I say, okay, I, I have 30 minutes and I want you to be prepared. So it's like, how can I help you? You have the questions all organized and I'm gonna answer them for you. And so how do you maximize that person's time and make it easy for them to get you what you need? Um, and then I think just do general research um, on the organization, anything that you can read about, um, anything about the company. But I think the physically being on site I think the connecting not with only the head of the department or the HR person, talent acquisition person, but with people who are in the organization at a more closer stage to where you are. I think I jumped really far into like, that was great advice. And I love hearing more about getting into, like getting to the interview. A lot of students also asked, okay, how do I get to the interview? And I think you are probably a really great person to ask that question to. So some of the most asked questions we got on uh, Instagram was yeah. one, 
do cover letters matter? And if cover letters do matter, how do you stand out in a cover letter? Because I something that students really hate, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. So I'd love to hear your your oh input on cover letters specifically. Oh, I think I this is really funny because I, we're doing internship hiring right now, and yes. we had over five thousand applicants for thirty five positions. So as you can imagine, like how do you go through and how do people yeah. stand out? I mean, this is so hard. So I maybe have like a minority view on this, but I don't think cover letters are important. Okay, here's what I would say. A cover letter matters only in the sense that it shows your writing skills mm. and um, your, your ability to put the right person's name at the top, your ability to, um, yeah, articulate yourself in a way that is like on paper, good, this person can write, check, check. But I don't think, I think it's very hard to, not be generic yeah what are you going to say that is going to be different everyone's going to say i'm passionate about fashion and retail i grew up shopping at aritzia i am so organized i will work really hard and those things are all true so how how is that different than the next person so there's nothing wrong with cover letters but i personally don't think that they make or break anything it's funny because if someone doesn't give me a cover letter it doesn't even tweak for me now that i think about it not having a cover letter doesn't make me say, oh, they haven't completed their application unless we ask for one. And with internships, we ask because we needed more right. information to help make our decisions. Um, but I, so yeah, that would be my two cents about cover letters. I mean, I think having a resume that is beautifully laid out, very succinct, make your LinkedIn clickable. Like I love it when people just have a very clean, simple, easy to read resume. Um, and you know, as they say, your education is really important. Your extracurricular is a way to stand out and, and have some point of interest. Um, you know, we look for people who are busy. There's the whole adage that, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. You're probably mm -hmm. one of those people. I would give you something, Stacey, and you'd get it done because that's how you are. So the idea that people are either um, high-level athletics, music, uh, dance, something outside yeah. of their professional and personal realm or outside of their school realm shows that they have the ability to manage their time and balance multiple priorities. And oftentimes that's a good sign of somebody that is able to uh, come in and be effective here. So there are other things that we look for to try and give us signals to somebody's potential. I guess a follow-up question to that is, you know, you mentioned that your LinkedIn should be clickable and LinkedIn is something we are, or at least I here on the business casual, we promote very heavily because I think LinkedIn is mm -hmm. such an amazing tool and has opened so many doors for me. And I know it's, it's something that can really help you stand out from, you know, a group of applicants, maybe not everyone has a very yeah. strong LinkedIn profile. Are there any yeah. common mistakes you see, whether that be on LinkedIn resumes throughout the entire application process that you would kind of warn mm -hmm. students on trying to make sure they avoid these mistakes? Yeah, great question. Well, I mean, I think this happens semi-regularly where someone is sending multiple messages and they forget to customize the name. So they're either sending it to Lululemon and they still put the Lululemon person's name or they say why they love Lululemon, but they send it to Aritzia. Like that's not yeah. good, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, so what I would say is a high attention to detail. So wherever you can address it to an individual, um, I've had people reach out to me. Okay. The people that reach out to me that really stand out are people that um, 
knows something about you or the organization, which shows it's not just a blanket reach out so or outreach. So um, I had somebody say, actually, I saw this podcast you did and this point stood out to me and it's something I've, I've always found hard, but I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get better at it. And I just wanted to let you know, it was just such a love. I was like, wow, what a lovely note to receive. Thank you. Okay. I see you're in your third year at Queens. What are you going to do next year? You know, there's some way that, that you're putting effort and intention into what you're doing and that it's thoughtful. That's the best way you can stand out. And then simple steps of being accurate, timely, following up, um, sending a thank you after you receive it, you'd be surprised. Those are very sporadic, getting a thank you after an interview. Um, I think that that is, uh, I, that's more than a cover letter to me, far more than a cover letter. Someone says, you know, thank you for the conversation. This point really stuck out. I just want to let you know I'm super keen for next steps. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, this is what's going to happen next. If I don't hear from you by next week, I'll just follow up because I know you're busy. I'm just like, amazing right that yeah. makes me so happy you're making it easy for me to help you does that make sense yeah 100 percent. and I think you know just to that point of not always asking for things but maybe just putting your name out there in a way that you're connecting with the person I think a lot of times students mm-hmm. they put this barrier between themselves and not only HR or like talent acquisitions but just like company in general and they think that it's, it's really unattainable to connect with people in that organization or they think that they have to ask for something or they, it has to be a very transactional mm-hmm. relationship. And I think that's something that slowly, but surely I'm hoping students are realizing is not the case and that it's way more productive and effective for both parties, not just you, but also the yeah. organization, the person you're connecting with when it's not transactional and it actually is about developing a relationship. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I get a lot of is, hello, you know, I'm very interested in the rich kids do you have time for a coffee chat with me? And, and I get thousands. So what would be helpful is someone says, look, I want to learn more about Aritzia. If you had the time, that'd be amazing. But if not, can you recommend someone I can speak to? Mm. Like even that is giving me, cause it gives me not an out, but it gives me an avenue to right. respond to them. Um, if I, my schedule is just so crazy and I think, oh my gosh, I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of people asking me this. If someone asks it to me that way, I'm more likely to be able to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to fire you over the so-and-so. You'll hear from them. You know what I mean? So put yourself, I guess, in that's my advice, put yourself in the person's shoes, in the executive's shoes, and think, okay, what am I trying to get? And what is the easiest way for them to help me? And how do I make it as easy for them as possible? I think another thing that we you touched on a little bit earlier is like following up. And I think Another thing also is that sometimes students get discouraged if they don't get a response, but I think it's also a really important Mm. reminder. And I think I'd love to hear your input on like follow-ups, but I think it is okay if it's been a few weeks or a month and you do follow up and say, Hey, just wanted to ensure you got my previous message. I'd love to connect for X, Y, Z. Like, I think people think that they're being annoying if I... I can't find a better word. Yeah. Annoying, but it's really not anything to do with you as a student. It's really just that inbox levels right now and LinkedIn inboxes are just really high based on the fact that everyone is working from home. So I think also following up sometimes is not a bad thing at all. If anything, it will actually help you stand out. Yeah. And I can't tell you the number of times I've had somebody 
um, follow up with me because I've said, great, send me your resume to my direct email address. And they'll say, you know, did you receive it? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. I thought I did that. Okay. I didn't do it yet. So, and I have people sometimes I'm like, I'm so sorry for my delayed response. It's been 30 days. It's not because you're not important. I'm just deep into my inbox, as you say, um, but I would love to connect with you. So, so the follow-up is not annoying. Um, it's helpful and it's, it's just short and cheerful in tone and just a check-in. There's nothing wrong with that. Beautiful. Okay. My last question on this topic is thinking outside yeah. of students more in your young professional, maybe you've been in out of school for four or five, six years, and you want to mm -hmm. maybe pivot or you want to maybe, you know, you're on a job hunt. Do you have any tips um, from entering into either, you know, the retail industry or just pivoting industries in general um, once you've kind of been out of mm. school for a few years? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, what I always think about are transferable skills. So, you know, let's just take a risk here for a second. If I want to hire for, a, uh, what do I want to hire for? Say, let's just say an HR professional. Say I want to hire a talent manager, so an HR person at Aritzia. How we do HR and how we look at HR and how HR is viewed here is different than a lot of other organizations. So I don't necessarily want to hire the HR person from the organization down the road because they, because at that point, maybe they've been, uh, they're in to their career enough that they have become maybe a bit more entrenched in how they do things. I would like right. to take somebody who doesn't have that experience and go, okay, what is teachable and coachable and what isn't? And say, okay, I love that you have, these are the skills and traits that are important for someone that's successful here in this way, in this capacity. So let's look at what those are and then look at what the gaps are. So if somebody is looking um, and they wanna pivot, the, one of the best things to do is say, look, I know I don't have direct experience for this, but here's what I do have and really outline the things that they think um, would contribute to them being successful and say, and I know that these are probably the things I would need to learn, but I want you to know that I would work as hard as required and be as resourceful as possible to learn them. So it's like, yeah, what more could you want from somebody? So I do think it's just about, again, making it easy for the person to connect the dots because everybody is so busy, but I don't want to just look at a resume and say, oh, check, check, check. It matches what we do here. So we should hire you. I'm I want to find someone who's high potential and I want to find someone who's going to be here a long time. And so I'm totally comfortable with the non-traditional candidate, meaning someone who hasn't done that exact job before. They just have to make the connection easy where you're like, yeah, I can totally see that. You've been a GM at a restaurant. You've had to manage customers, staff, operations. There's so much you've had to do. That's so parallel to us in this fashion industry in the service standpoint. So it's like, okay, how do I make those connections? And how does it, how do they make it easy for me to see how they could fit in our business? The other thing would be compensation. Um, that is a, That can be a tricky one for people when they're pivoting. And so sometimes you have to say, look, I am willing to take a step back in my compensation because the company is essentially investing in me. So you don't know anything when you show up here necessarily. Right. And, and then it, but then it flips to, oh, great. Now you're learning and contributing. Your wage is going to go up. So it's being realistic that, you know, the wage that you were making six years into a specific career might look different than the one you come over here. And it doesn't mean you're back to the beginning, but I think there has to be some willingness to be flexible there. And I know money is just a very basic necessity, um, but at least um, acknowledging 
I understand that I might not come in at this level here, um, but what could that look like and be open to the discussion? It's a topic that I really want to do a whole episode on and like in compensation and negotiation, maybe we'll have to invite Sarah back on to do a whole episode on it because I think it's also something that isn't talked about a lot, but it's something that like in negotiations and how to properly know what your value is and understand how to communicate that to a brand um, is something that I personally have absolutely no idea how to do. Luckily, both my parents have been very helpful thus far in my career and helping me understand this, but it's still something that it's not taught in business school. And I don't think any of my friends from what I've heard different business schools have been taught it as well. So it's definitely a topic that I think is very important on its own, but I think that would be an entirely different episode, but I think it is something that is important to discuss as well. It is very important. And I agree with you. And it's a skill that needs to be developed and not everybody has the right person giving them advice and well-intentioned, they may be coming at it totally the wrong way and it can make or break whether or not you get in. So it is super important. And yes, I I would totally support a secondary podcast (laughs) on that topic. Okay, last thing to wrap up this conversation, where would be the best place for students to keep up with Aritzia opportunities? And if they wanted to apply, um, what are, is there a, a specific website or LinkedIn is best? Like how can students mm-hmm. keep up with uh, Aritzia opportunities? Yeah. So um, number one, aritzia.com backslash careers is uh, our career site. And we've actually created, we're redoing our career site. It's really not that exciting right now. It is not in keeping in my mind with the brand. So don't judge us, but we're working on it. Um, But right now it's functional. So we do have a tab on the left-hand side that says recent grads. So what we do is we put jobs in that space that would be appropriate for someone who has no experience. So you're straight out of school. We're willing to hire you into these types of positions. So number one, that's such an easy thing to do is go and peruse those roles and see if any of those sort of pique your interest. If there's no position there that interests you or you just don't know what you'd be good at, send it through the general application. We still review all those. And sometimes you just don't know where you'd fit. Um, so there's nothing wrong with doing that. So aritzia.com slash careers. Then uh, LinkedIn, we also post jobs and you can follow Aritzia on LinkedIn and we'll promote certain business areas that we're hiring in or just tell you a bit more about what's happening in our company. And then third tip would be at the bottom of our Aritzia.com, there's a um, uh, investors uh, subsite. So if you click on investors, it tells you so much about our organization, about our most recent earnings, where we're going, how we're building, and you want to be informed, you go and read that. I mean, it's, such an easy way to get a great uh, sort of uh, up-to-date in the world of sports on Aritzia is that site, that microsite. And so I would highly encourage people to review that because it gives a lot of insight into the organization. It allows you to ask questions building off of those things that shows us that you're doing research and you're invested in Aritzia as a potential um, career for yourself. Perfect. And I'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes. So if you're interested in quickly finding them, feel free to look at the show notes in this episode. Of course, the last question here on the business casual is what is one piece of advice you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given that's really Mm. stuck with you? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have a whole bunch, but one of the things that what I have three older brothers and one of them, um, when I went away to university said, cause they all, we all went away to university. So we all moved away from home. And one of the things he said to me was, don't be afraid to ask questions. And everything from I'm, 
any question is a good question. And if you don't mm-hmm. know, you're a smart individual. So if you don't know, it means it's, it's not known or other people don't know it too. And I know that sounds so cliche, but I really, like I took that with me and I applied it in so many different places. So if you don't know, ask a question and then I'll sneak another, can I sneak another one in there? Yeah, of course, of course. Another one that's really helpful is um, how you receive feedback teaches people around you if you want to learn and grow. So one of the biggest things is everybody's a high achiever, right? Everybody's so type A high achieving and we all want to do a great job. So when we hear something contrary to that, it's like we're wounded and, and we freeze and sometimes can feel like we've failed. So what I, what, one of the things I really had to learn because I would get defensive when someone would give mm-hmm. me criticism or, or feedback. And I remember our CEO saying to me once, I'll never forget. He said, what's it like to be right all the time? I was like, pardon? He was like, so young. He said, well, every time I tell you something, you've got a reason why it's the way it is. Like, do you want to learn or do you want to just know everything? I'm being a bit sharp, but like I'm paraphrasing. But the point is that always stayed with me because I was like, wow, I didn't realize that I was coming across that way. I didn't realize I was blocking um, feedback and knowledge transfer by just trying to explain why I did the thing the way I did or why I made the decision I made. And there's always a place for that, but there's a stopping and going, huh, okay, help me understand what you see and what you would have done differently if you were me. And it's a simple thing, but that will take you, if you can learn that much earlier than I did, it's a very, very important skill. On that note, I I don't know if I've mentioned on a podcast before, but for any UFT students listening and specifically in my program, there's a course I'm taking right now. It's taught by an MBA professor. It's actually an MBA course. They just tailored it to the undergrad level. And the course is called being a socially intelligent manager. And I took it because it was a requirement for my, for my focus, but it has honestly been one of the most practical courses I've ever taken. And basically what the professor talks about is being socially, emotionally intelligent in your career and like self-awareness and understanding how Mm -hmm. to read others, like read emotions and understanding how to like take feedback, but also understanding how to like properly influence it and like strategy. So it's really interesting because it seems such a trivial thing. You feel like, you know, your whole life people have been teaching you things, you know, you go to school and you implement those things and you're able to do that in your own way. But when you actually sit back and reflect on your ability to be self-aware and your ability to even coach others and give constructive criticism, it's really difficult. It's not as easy as it seems. So I feel like that really ties into well with not. Absolutely. And I'm so great that there, you have a course that teaches something that is so practical because those are the things that often trip people up when they come into an organization, because you need practice and experience to learn those yeah. things. But at least having a basis for it through your program is wonderful. That's so cool. Yes. If any Rotman students are listening, it's RSM463 with uh, Stefan Cote. He's a great professor, but that's a little bit of a side topic, but that's, a, <laughs> that's the uh, my Rotman plug for the episode. I feel like I always give one Rotman plug in the episode, but um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here on the Business Casual. I learned so much more about applying and interviewing and resume cover letters, as well as your journey at Aritzia. So we really appreciate your time. And I know our listeners will definitely love to have you hear you again on the business casual soon. Well, Stacy, as I mentioned, when we were speaking beforehand, this is so wonderful what you're doing and that you put the energy 
an initiative behind this and how it's benefiting, I'm sure, so many people, as you said, that don't have access to or maybe don't have the confidence to go out and try to get this type of information. Um, so, so many people have ideas and not a lot of people action them. So, so impressed. And thank you for having me. And of course, I would be more than happy to come back and speak about any other topics that would be relevant um, and helpful for people. So um, I'm on deck when you need me. Perfect.